Welcome to the Fire Sprinkler Podcast with Chris Mogan. This episode of the Fire Sprinkler Podcast is brought to you by Chromalox. Chromalox is the only UL listed heat tracing available for sprinkler mains, branch lines, and standpipes. Chromalox has an extensive line of electric heaters to freeze, protect, or maintain temperatures on sprinkler systems, above ground storage tanks, and more. Visit www.chromalox.com for more information. That's www.chromalox.com. Hey everybody, this episode of the Fire Sprinkler Podcast, um, I have a good conversation with uh, the folks at NFSA, Shane, Caleb, Vicky, Greg, uh, I'm missing a bunch, I think there was about eight people on this call, but it was awesome, uh, we talked about everything that NFSA does for the fire sprinkler industry, um, as well as what they can do to help contractors and engineers alike um, just develop better uh, best practices things like that <clears throat> if you have any questions go to www.nfsa.org if you are looking for more information if you want to get signed up with them um, let them know that you heard about nfsa through the fire sprinkler podcast just so i can get a good gauge as far as uh, who's actually listening to this uh, another thing um, social media has been kind of going crazy lately um Big things happening in the industry right now as far as Victolic acquiring Globe Sprinkler, which was huge for the industry. Um, <clears throat> hoping to have the people from Victolic on in the very near future. Uh, I had it scheduled to have them on early, I mean, depends when you listen to this, but uh, essentially I had originally scheduled to have them on and have a conversation with them July 15th. It depends when you're listening to this, if it was on Monday or last Monday or six Mondays ago. Anyways, <clears throat> I had scheduled to have them on July 15th to talk about the merger, the acquisition, why they were going into it. Um, as soon as I posted it on social media that I was going to be talking to the people of Victolic, my, my inbox on LinkedIn Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, everything blew up with all of these questions and what people wanted to know. Um, so super bummed out, but unfortunately that podcast is on hold for now. Um, we are going to link up with them after a few more questions get answered. It's looking like that's going to happen in August. So in the meantime, I'm going to keep carrying on with everything that I have scheduled coming up. I got a lot of good people that I'm going to be talking to in over the next couple of weeks. So stay tuned. Thank you again, everybody for the support. I appreciate all the support. And, uh, if you find something on social media that you want to share with me, hashtag fire sprinkler podcast, tag me. Um, this, uh, this podcast has kind of taken off. I'm getting sick of saying it. It's going bigger than I've ever thought it would. Couldn't have done it without you. Um, next thing I'm going to be looking for is, uh, people to start leaving reviews on iTunes. I've got a substantial amount of reviews on iTunes, but if you could leave me a review on iTunes, I don't know if you can leave a review on Spotify, but whatever, leave me a review. Let me know what you think of the fire sprinkler podcast. If you have a suggestion for a topic of conversation, or if you want to come on and talk sprinkler, fire me off a message, uh, Chris at fire sprinkler podcast.com <clears throat> or message me on social media. Uh, one last thing before I get into the conversation with the folks from NFSA, um, I have this idea, which it's, it's not even my idea. I sniped it from NFSA. Um, but I'm going to, I'm going to do it here in Canada. Uh, I'm not sure if anybody knows, but I'm located in Southwestern Ontario. Um, what NFSA has is they have a training trailer that's about 20 feet long. The front of it has a small room 
say four feet by the width of the trailer uh, with windows on either side that you can use for demonstrating sprinkler activations how they work small garbage pan with newspapers light it on fire the sprinkler goes off saves the day blah 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 and the middle room is going to have several different valves um, double interlock pre-action dry and a wet valve um, as well as a small residential storage tank and pump for um, to use in the actual burn side itself uh, the rear of the trailer is going to be a class one two and three standpipe system uh, with a fire department connection for fire department training if anybody out there wants to help support this trailer um, <clears throat> get get your logo manufactured you can put your logo on the side of the trailer uh, still working out a few minor details but if you're interested in helping me out on this project fire me off an email chris at firesprinklerpodcast.com uh, hopefully i can get this thing rolling out here i'm going to start getting uh, a couple different prices on the trailer itself and then hopefully everything falls into place and i can have this thing on the road in the new year uh, again chris at firesprinkler.com Chris at firesprinklerpodcast.com. Sorry. Um, fire me off an email if you're interested in working together. And without further ado, here is the conversation with the folks from NFSA. Hey, everybody. Thanks for tuning into this episode of the Fire Sprinkler Podcast. On this episode, I have essentially everybody from NFSA on the call. Um, so let's just jump right in, get the introductions out of the way, and we can start talking sprinkler. Uh, start with you, Shane. Shane Ray, the president of the National Fire Sprinkler Association, and thanks for having us today, Chris. No problem. Caleb Armbrust with uh, the Outreach and Government Relations Department. Good morning, Chris. It's Vicki Pritchett, Director of Outreach and Government Relations. We're really excited about our time with you today. Good morning, everybody. This is Alex Sue, the Director of Finance and Administration. Good morning, Chris. This is Gary West. The director of field operations. And hi, Chris. This is Mark Hopkins, the vice president of engineering. And good morning. This is Dennis Wood, uh, director of operations. Okay, that's awesome. Our, that's our leadership team here. That's the leadership team. So that's the uh, these are the the powerhouses behind NFSA, as you you could say. Um, I we, I met you I met you guys down in oh sorry what was that. We're, we'd like to say we're the humble servants of a great industry. Absolutely. Yeah. Every, I mean, you guys do a lot for the industry as far as, uh, you know, assisting with uh, contractors, engineering, things like that. You guys are, you do a lot for the industry and it's, uh, I'm super pumped to have you guys on and, uh, and talk for the next, huh, I mean, we don't have a set time. We'll see how long this stretches out for. Um, <clears throat> first off, we can, uh, we can kind of start, what is NFSA and what is it entitled? What are you guys out here to do? Sure. The National Fire Sprinkler Association has a long history in the industry. We go back to 1905. So 1905, our organization formed. We opened our first office in New York City in 1914. Uh, and since then, we've grown from a staff of one person uh, to a staff of over 50 today. And so uh, our mission is uh, very important. It's been set the best we could tell since the 50s. So as the leadership team is here in a meeting following our board of directors meeting in uh, Minneapolis and coming off the synergy of our annual seminar and fire sprinkler expo in Nashville, um, we don't have to hire consultants or do anything to clarify our mission. Our mission has been set for many, many years. And we like to say we're the inclusive association that our mission is to 
save lives and protect property from fire through the widespread acceptance of the fire sprinkler concept. So what makes us unique, Chris, is our board of directors is made up of contractors, uh, which install, and that goes from large open shop contractors and union contractors to very, very small contractors in the merit shop as well as union. So those things make us unique from a contractor's perspective, but also our suppliers and manufacturers have a seat at the table. So we have a contractor's council. We have a SAM council, which is our supplier and manufacturers. They make everything in the industry except the sprinkler device itself. And that makes up our last council is the manufacturer's council. And so that currently is the five manufacturers of the actual sprinkler device itself. Which, uh, which five are sitting on there now? Uh, will you guys, since Victaulic and Globe recently, yesterday, uh, were amalgamated together? Or are you guys going to kick Globe off and bring them in with Victaulic, or are they going to be operating separate? No, that's a good question. So Globe and Victaulic are very important partners, and they are both big members and active in our board and our manufacturer's council. So they are both key players within the NFSA and we will work with them as we go forward and as they make this transition and what that looks like, because this isn't our first rodeo with this type of thing, uh, if you will. Yeah, We've had yeah. before when, when Tyco acquired uh, Central and Star. So there's been other uh, manufacturers and other suppliers merge in the past. So we'll work with them to make sure their voice is heard. So our logo of the voice of the fire sprinkler industry, will make sure all that remains clear. But we also have the, our longtime partners of Reliable and Tyco. Tyco uh, has been a member for over a hundred years in our association. Wow. Reliable is certainly getting close to that. Yeah. Uh, and then Viking. So Victolic, Globe, Viking, Tyco and Reliable all have been big members for a long, long time in the association, way beyond yeah. our years. Absolutely. Um, so we we touched a little bit on Nashville. Um, Nashville was the first conference that I had attended as a podcast. I'd been to uh, many NFSA conferences in the past as part of the uh, CASA's tech committee, things like that. Love the experience, love meeting all the people out there, you know, going through the new products and stuff like that. Um, I think it's safe to say, I, now I'm still fairly new in the industry. I mean, going on 10, 11 years, but that's uh, it's essentially a baby compared to a lot of the people out there. Um, would you say Nashville was probably one of the biggest, the highest attended seminars, uh, conferences and expos for NFSA in recent memory? Well, it was certainly the, the biggest year we've ever had in our recorded history anyway. So, um, well represented the industry and the synergy going on a good economy always helps that but uh, we've changed the format over the last few years and this is the north american fire sprinkler expo it is where we bring our, our folks from uh, all over north america including our partners with casa uh, amarasi so 
yeah, it's a it's a really good event. A lot, like you say, a lot of good energy, a lot of good synergy, uh, and a lot of good contacts. It seems like all the big players go there and <clears throat> uh, you know shake hands, and and it it's it's just a good experience all around. Uh, I'm happy that that was one of the first um, expos that I was able to attend as a podcast, and uh, I look forward to next year. Yep. So next year is our business and leadership conference. So it's not the expo year. So we try to give the industry a break of hauling all their displays and all those kind of things all over the country. Right. So. That's fair. <laughs> I think the one thing I'll jump in here um, just to add a tip of the helmet, if you will, to the seminar committee with with having a mix of members serving in that capacity. I think we've been able to fine tune and listen to what the members were wanting um, and whether it's an expo year or not, we're, we're still focused on creating the opportunity to have uh, the networking time, the exchange of ideas, the, the fact that we've, we've really focused on ramping up our speakers and having a really strong presence there, if you will. Um, and it's working and, and it's, it's just kind of cool to see that, all come together um, and and again utilizing the feedback from our members. Nashville proved to just be an exceptional venue. Just the vibe and the energy of the city itself was very conducive to to what the seminar committee had in mind, and and I think it exceeded our expectations um, across the board. But just really great time. Uh, just always good to see what happens when you get a dedicated group of um, members together and say, hey, what would, what would you like to see and how can we help as an association? I think that's how we view it from our from NFSA standpoint. Uh, it's a pretty cool job. Yeah, it's not it's not too bad. I mean, this is uh, uh, doing this podcast is still essentially a hobby for me. Um, uh, you ask my wife, it's an expensive hobby, but it's still a hobby and I enjoy it every day that I do it. I, I, I absolutely love it. It's super fun. I get to talk to super awesome, smart, exciting people in the industry, like everybody that's sitting around the table there. Um, what were the takeaways that you guys got from Nashville this time? What were the, uh, what were the highlights of the, uh, what were the highlights of the expo trade show? What were the, uh, maybe the not so negative. I don't know if there would be any not so negatives, but uh, <laughs> maybe the open bar bill would be a negative side of it because that was awesome to kick things off. The uh, most people call it networking. I call it open bar, but regardless, um, it was a good time. What, uh, what do you guys take away from it in a positive aspect that you're going to bring to the next um, expo and seminar? Well, our, our board of directors met in Minneapolis after that, and the synergy coming off of Nashville was all positive. Uh, as I spoke to every vendor in the exhibit hall, I didn't have any negative comments, uh, which is very positive. It's the first time in my brief four-year history of NFSA that we've had, had that. So uh, hats off to the team and, as Vicki said, the seminar committee. But what comes out of that is setting the stage for our future. It goes all the way back to our business and leadership conference in Dana Point. It's the synergy that sets the stage for the industry, I think, and our board of directors as they come together to shape policy uh, and things for the industry as we go forward. What our advocacy, what our education is, where we focus on legislation, those are the things that come out of those conferences because we get to hear the voice of our members. 
Right. And whether it's what kind of training do they want? What kind of issues do they want us to tackle in Washington, D.C.? What kind of issues they want us to tackle at the state, the metro city, the local levels? Those are all things that come out of the seminar and then go to our board of directors because they're the ones that ultimately shape that policy as we go forward. So we do a lot of focus in advocacy for the industry. We do Mm -hmm. a lot of focus in education for the industry and we do a lot of things in legislative issues. So whether we're advocating for standards changes, whether we're advocating for codes, uh, whether we're advocating for legal issues that face our industry, we're still trying to educate everyone, not only our industry, but those outside our industry. We build a strong partnership with other groups, Common Voices being one. Common Voices Mm -hmm. represents the people who've lost loved ones to fire. We have the Phoenix Society for Burn Survivors, which survived the incident, uh, but naturally have scars to heal. And so we partner with them to focus on how can we help those people who have experienced what many of us have not experienced. How do we help them be an advocate for their cause? And right. certainly we believe that our cause is pure. And then our partners at the National Fallen Firefighters Foundation, who certainly lost loved ones to fire. Just, uh, just anything, anything that you guys can do from the industry, essentially, is what it sounds like. That's a, a laundry list of things that you just threw out there that NFSA is doing to help out. And I know you guys are huge advocates. Um, speaking of which, I actually I have a side by side burn scheduled for Saturday in a small little municipality um, where I'm from, southwestern Ontario, Port Lambton. If anybody is listening from the southwestern Ontario area, um, but uh, how many, how many side by side? burns do you guys think you guys do a year uh over a couple hundred really so so we have we have over 20 trailers 20 mobile burn units Mm -hmm. in the country we're going to build six more this year we've got four more ready to be delivered uh gary west our director of field operations and uh, vicky pritchett will go to the national association of state fire marshals and uh help them partner as we go. I was on the phone last night with setting up burns uh, all the way from Alabama to Vermont. So we have a lot of those things going on. And as you said, you've seen our valve trailer. So we have two valve trailer units uh, that we own. Our partners in Chicago, Tennessee, Milwaukee. We have other valve trailers that are out there. Some of our members reliable as a valve trailer. So we're just trying to spread the word, get the information out there. We like to call it our partners in progress program where we partner particularly with the fire service uh, mm-hmm. just to train not only fire officials and building officials, but also government officials and train the general public. So, so one issue that I've actually had with doing the side-by-side burns is, um, and I don't know if you guys have ever experienced this anywhere, you guys do obviously do substantially more. I maybe do five or six a year, but I have one municipality now in my area that is not allowing us to do the side-by-side burn demonstrations because they're scared of the carcinogens that come off. Do you guys have any experience with dealing with that? Um, Obviously, before we set up and make we make sure the wind's going the right direction. If the wind changes, we we change our setup immediately. Um, but they are refusing to allow it in their um, their entire county uh, because they don't want to expose the public to the carcinogens. Do you guys run into any issues with that? 
We sure do. That's why we have the other trailers. So we have the other trailers that burn Excelsior. So you okay. can't see what happens with, you know, modern furnishings, but you can certainly see how effective sprinklers are. So our other trailers uh, have the burn unit in the front, but you yep. can't see what happens when you burn modern furniture. So in those cases, you just try to show them a video, show them, you know, the many, many burns we have, show them all the research we've done that shows you how dangerous synthetic materials are. And then you just show them the effectiveness of sprinklers. Yeah, exactly. And that's um, that's the intent of a side-by-side -side burn demonstration is to, uh, you know, you light the side. I typically light the side with the sprinkler first because people want to see the flash over and they're more likely to hang out for the show. Um, but uh, yeah, do the, the sprinkler side first. You see how small the fire goes, how completely un, uh, you know, unexciting a sprinklered burn is and then you do the flash over and let it rock and uh, people get pretty excited about that and it opens a lot of eyes i don't know how your side-by-side -side, um, demonstration set up but i have actually two sprinklers in it so one is in the actual burn cell itself the other one is piped outside so people still get that visual um, one sprinkler goes off they all don't go off so I'm glad you said that we're bit, we're working with Underwriters Laboratory Firefighter Research Institute. So we have one unit that's that has three cells. So there's a middle room, and if you've seen it, it's the one we burn on uh, Times Square in New York City for the media. Uh, but when we did that, the middle room has doors. So UL has a program called Close Before You Doze. It says separate yourself from the fire by having a closed door. Yep. So people that don't have sprinklers and don't have the uh, fortune to have uh, sprinklers in their apartment, home, or building, it's to separate yourself from the fire. So we have a three-cell unit that shows that very thing, that shows the sprinklers effective, and it does not, they don't all go off, and it doesn't ruin everything in your house. But it goes with our slogan and logo and marketing campaign of, Fire sprinklers buy time and time buys life. Uh, that gives you yep. time to get out. The people that can't get out, because we know that uh, as we have mobility issues, we we don't all get around the same. So that impacts us, our pets. We know that children under 14 don't hear smoke alarms uh, if they're asleep. So all those messages are built into that one single unit. And then our partners at UL are testing a five cell unit now so we hope by fire prevention week this year in october that we have another unit that's running that has five cells in it and it'll be so that you can have separate rooms it'll have a rocking chair a lamp stand and a footstool in there that allows you to see that this other room gets contaminated with smoke if it don't have sprinklers or the one that does have sprinklers, you can see a little water go into there. But as we say, everything will dry out, but nothing will unburn. And you can see it in this new trailer we're having built. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, five cell, that's going to be a monster of a trailer to haul around. going to be a semi. We're not to that level yet, but uh, <laughs> it's certainly over 30 feet and but it's a powerful message. We burn those. I was there myself to witness the burn test of that, that test mm -hmm. temperature, gases, uh, smoke alarms, you name it. Well, we've instrumented and tested so that 
uh, we know what happens when this burns. So we look forward to getting that thing on the road. Yeah, actually, um, we talked a little bit before we came on air. Um, <clears throat> I'm actually working on building my own trailer, essentially not taking the book right from NFSA because there's a couple things that I want to do a little bit different, not much different because you have an excellent setup. Um, but I'm working on making my own training trailer as well with the valves, the uh, the little small burn cell in the front so that I'll be able to bring the education to the, to the one local municipality that's not allowing us to do full side-by-side -side sprinkler demonstrations. Okay. So any manufacturers out there that want to uh, want to help out with this, get a hold of me, Chris at firesprinklerpodcast.com. <laughs> yeah, our members are the ones that donated. Certainly we bought the, uh, we bought the trailer units off of a federal grant from the United States. Uh, federal Emergency Management Agency, their fire act grant. So we bought the trailers from that, but our members, contractors, suppliers, our contractors did the work, our staff uh, coordinated it, but our suppliers and manufacturers donated all the product for it. But the intent there is to train all the way from operational firefighters who need to limit the amount of water damage when there is a sprinkler safe, mm -hmm. all the way up to the inspectors, to our contractor members, uh, that's the intent of this of these mobile units. And then the other program we have, the leadership team is here discussing as well, is placing units in the fire academies across the country because we can't get to every fire department in North America. So as a result of that, we have to take our products and programs to them. So as we write the curriculum and donate the product and those things, to the fire service, it allows them to be more familiar with our product and then continue their advocacy and education. Yeah, absolutely. You guys are doing great things for the industry. And I, uh, you know, as a self-proclaimed uh, sprinkler geek, uh, I love it. Uh, you know, anything I can do to help you guys out, let me know. No problem. <clears throat> so a uh, little bit more about um, your board of directors meeting in Minneapolis. You guys sat down. It was all the uh, kind of the top dogs at NFSA sat down and decided kind of the future of what you guys want to focus on for the next year or two. Um, are you allowed to share any of the highlights from that or is that all kept under the hat for now? No, no. We're, we're here to share and serve. So spill the beans. Hey, Chris, it's Caleb. One, one of the things I'd want to highlight to the folks listening to the podcast, and Shane touched on it earlier, which is uh, the amount of contributions we get uh, from the supplier manufacturer members for the different projects that we work on. And one of the things that uh, we're working on at NFSA is trying to thank those members and get the contractors that are out there that interact with those supplier members every day uh, as you do business with them. Just thank them for their membership with NFSA. So, uh, as you're out there doing business, if you see the NFSA logo on a supplier's website or anything like that, make sure you thank them um, for all the contributions they make to the industry in terms of sponsoring golf tournaments, sitting on uh, product committees, and just kind of the unspoken, unseen work that happens behind the scenes that they maybe don't always get recognized for. No, absolutely. I 100% agree with that. And I, uh, I mean the past maybe five or six podcasts, I've been a little too crazy with thanking the sponsors and thanking everybody for the support. But realistically, uh, if it wasn't for everybody that was listening to the podcast and, and paying attention to what you guys are doing with NFSA, uh, I would just be a guy talking to himself. And uh, <laughs> as much as I will talk to myself about Sprinkler, it's substantially more interesting when people are actually paying attention and giving feedback. I think the other thing, Chris, is um, 
we have a bunch of committees uh, that, that meet on a regular basis. Um, mm -hmm. at, at the board level, we have our quality assurance committee. And um, so we talk about a lot of the um, issues coming up from a technical standpoint. And um, we also have an engineering and standards committee. Those committees help to, to focus uh, our direction for technical standards and codes. So right now, uh, as you may be aware, uh, the 2022 edition of NFPA 13 is kicking off. There's three first draft meetings next week uh, to talk about discharge issues. So you know we get our direction from, from our board members and from, from our technical members, and then we carry the torch and, and uh, argue the issues at the technical committee level. Right. Yeah, the, uh, I mean, I, they, there was a huge change in the 2019 edition of NFPA 13. I, uh, I mean, there, it changes every year. There's always things added, things removed, things like that. But the, uh, the completely re, redesign and, uh, and reconfiguration is the word I was looking for, reconfiguration of NFPA 13 2019, that was a monster. And I've been talking kind of back and forth whenever I see him, uh, Matt Klaus, trying to get him on to talk about it too. But uh you know, he's a busy man. Yes, he is. And and certainly the 2019 edition is, is the biggest change that's occurred in, in a decade. So uh, I think for the most part, we're redirecting uh, NFPA 13. The biggest change may come in Chapter 25 related to rack storage. Oh, but okay. The 2022 edition will likely see some changes there. Hmm, interesting. Yeah, I look forward to, uh, you know, I always look forward to getting getting my hands on the newest of copy and uh, and flipping through it to see what's going on. You know, who doesn't uh, who doesn't enjoy reading a little bit of NFPA 13 before they go to bed, right? Yeah, sir. <laughs> <laughs> uh, <clears throat> so we, 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 we touched on it, but we didn't really get into it. Your board of directors meeting that was in Minneapolis, um, what – what changes are you guys going to be, what changes came out of that meeting? Are you guys going to be uh, focusing more on uh, like public education, things like that? Or are you guys going to be looking to, uh, you know, focusing more on assisting contractors, assisting uh, manufacturers, things like that? What's the, what are the goals for NFSA for this year? Well, certainly on the board of directors meeting, it's our mid-year meeting. We, we have three meetings a year. Our board meets in the uh, February, our board meets in June, and it meets in October. So okay. those are when they set the direction for the association going forward. And one of the things coming out of our meeting in Minneapolis is certainly planning for what the economy is going to do here in the next few years. Right now, contractor hours are up. Uh, sprinkler shipments have been up for a long time. We had the most consecutive quarters since we've been recording uh, shipment data, which goes back to the early 80s. So while we've enjoyed a good economy, what our team here is working on at the direction of our board of directors is what happens with the next downturn in the economy. How do right. we focus on retrofit? So as our director of codes and public fire protection, Jeff Hugo, works heavily in the ICC side of the house working with the building code, it's what is that requirement? So as we focus on retrofit uh, from a federal level, trying to give incentives and we got some of those things in the Tax Cuts and Jobs Act. So as the leadership team goes out to dinner, we go to a restaurant here that 
wax fire sprinklers. And you're like, we need to tell them they, they go from 39 years of writing off the retrofit of a sprinkler uh, system down to one year. They can fully depreciate that in the United States anyway, uh, fully depreciate the cost of that sprinkler system if they're a small business to one year. So those are the really? things that our board of directors give us guidance on. We're working on legislation in the United States for high rise retrofit. So uh, as we push and promote, and as the 2021 ICC codes have in there that all high rises are retrofitted uh, by their definitions anyway, that we give incentive for that to depreciate the system over 15 years and not over 39 or 27 years. So those are items that our board of directors focus on as we look towards what happens in the next recession. How bad will it be? Those are the times, Chris, when we as an association are probably needed the most is we try to shape public policy, as we try to shape um, regulations that govern our industry. We put all our efforts into focusing on that so that the next time the economy does come back, like it has been over the past several years, then our industry is even more prepared than it's ever been. So that's what comes out of our board meetings and that's the direction. That's what the leadership team is doing here gathered is setting the stage for the remainder of 2019 as well as 2020 and beyond because we're already working on 2020 budgets. We're already working on 2020's operations plan. So it's exciting time. Yeah, just all around busy down at the NFSA office. <clears throat> NFSA, you guys are headquartered out of Nashville, correct? No, our headquarters is in Maryland. So we're in uh, Linthicum Heights, Maryland, which is halfway between Baltimore, Maryland and Washington, D.C. So our association was in New York City for 112 years. Uh, and it made sense back then, a little history lesson for that. Uh, we started out, our members were in Chicago, New York, and St. Louis. Our first meeting in November of 1905 was in St. Louis. And so when you look at those things, we opened our office in 1914 in Manhattan. Because back in those days, Chris, there was no such thing as regulations for sprinklers. The only thing driving requirements for sprinklers was the insurance industry. Right. Well, now our shift has been to government, right? Government mostly mandates. Insurance still drives a lot of it, particularly for large buildings and those things. But overall, we moved to Maryland in 2017. We opened our office there in 2017 to not only get closer to government, but most importantly, to get close to all our partners. So every other association that we work with has some presence in that DC area. So uh, we work a lot with the fire service, the Congressional Fire Service Institute, the National Fall of Firefighters Foundation, NFPA, ICC, you name it, BOMA, the facility managers, apartment association, American Wood Council, American Forest and Paper, uh, the International Retail Shopping Center Association, the Security Association. You, I could go on and on and on. But they, <laughs> they all have a presence there. And so for us to make a big difference in this industry, we have to have partners. And so with that, they need us, we need them, and together we're much stronger. That's how we get things done. So it made much more sense for us to be in Maryland. And two, it allows our staff and our members to get around the country and get to us easier. 
Yeah, absolutely. So, <clears throat> geez, I can't, I, you rambled off about 30 different <laughs> 30 different organizations that you guys are helping with. And, uh, and that's awesome. Uh, what brings everybody to Baltimore? Like the Baltimore area, sorry. Well, the, all the other associations. Sorry, Maryland. What, like what, what is, what's in Maryland that all of these associations kind of focused in that area? Is there anything particular? Or is it just a super awesome spot? It, it's our capital. It's our center of government in the United States. So with Washington DC being our capital, that's where everybody's at. Yep. And then yeah, okay. the other thing, we picked Maryland. Maryland has been a strong advocate and has been a leader uh, in fire protection. So from the University of Maryland being there, that uh, as, I, as I look at Mark Hopkins here as a graduate of the University of Maryland, uh, there's certainly a lot of fire protection that comes out of there. But Maryland itself has been very progressive. We just had the state fire marshal in our meeting here yesterday. Uh, Chief Brian Geraci was with our team yesterday. Uh, we're going to end our leadership team meeting tomorrow with a test of the deluge system on the dome of the state capitol here in Annapolis. So we're going to go witness the annual test of that system and that being important right now as we promote historic retrofit, right? So as they had the fire in Notre Dame, it's like, how do we protect that? Well, our members protect those structures here in America uh, and around the world every day. So, so those are exciting things that we have going on with our group and with our industry. Awesome. Yeah. If you, uh, anybody out there, if they haven't listened to the episode with, uh, Oliver fire protection, that's an interesting one too. Um, they are the ones who, um, service the, um, it was going around social media. I'm blanking on the name of the church in, uh, in Philadelphia, but it's Christ. Yes. Christ church in Philadelphia, the oldest, uh, I believe it's the oldest church in North America. Oldest uh, structure, certainly. Yeah. Yeah. It's uh, it's, it's all good things. Um, Oliver fire protection is a longtime member of NFSA and Dave Oliver uh, serves on our board. Steve Oliver serves on our, uh, our 669 committee. Yep. And Bill Oliver, longtime family history there, was a Golden Sprinkler Award winner, is in our Fire Sprinkler Hall of Fame. So that family goes back a long, long time and certainly a trusted contractor there in the Philadelphia area that protects, as you've seen, our national treasures. So we're doing that as well around the country. Yeah, so I guess Oliver is a little bit invested in a little bit of a you know participant in fire protection, <laughs> golden sprinkler winner, all these things. Wow, that's awesome. I didn't uh, I didn't know that. He didn't bring that up. Why well, that Steve on not uh, not Dave? A very humble family goes back mm -hmm. to their father and their uncle. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, I'm a my myself. I'm a third generation sprinkler fitter as well. Uh, I call myself a fitter in a golf shirt because I started out on tools and, and now I do design estimating pretty much anything that nobody in the nobody else in the family wants to do is what I like to do. And uh, I got two boys at home, five and seven years old, and uh, they got no choice. They're in the industry. They just don't know it yet. There you go. Uh, don't get me wrong. If they want to be doctors or something like that, that's fine. But I'm going to call them Dr. Sprinkler until they get back in the trade. Right. <laughs> so uh, is there anything else you guys want to talk about? Do you want to talk about future plans? What do you guys have coming up in the next six months with, uh, with NFSA? Well, we always have to talk about our advocacy from homes to high rises, uh, mm -hmm. national marketing campaign. So I encourage you to 
go on our website, look at our commercial. Vicki, uh, you'll have to help me with some of those things, but we're about to do the, the board of directors authorized the second edition commercial to go with our fire sprinklers by time, time buys life. Uh, this team here, Caleb and his crew leading the way has created a fantastic website uh, that we're driving people to as, they, as we roll this commercial out across the country. So it's our first national television commercial uh, promoting from homes to high rises, the value of sprinklers, the importance in trying to get everybody to not fear that they all go off back to, as you said, with the trailers earlier. So we have a lot of efforts focused on that. So. So we're gearing up for um, our national rollout of the commercial during fire prevention month. Um, so our commercial will start running in key markets on September 30th and will run the entire month of October. So we're really looking forward to seeing what um, effect that will have. And, and in a sense, we're utilizing that to start the conversation, drive the conversation, um, get people to pay attention. Um, certainly our goal is that uh, we want to change your expectation for life safety and, and fire safety. We want everyone looking up to see if there's fire sprinklers. And, and we believe one of the ways to do that is to get into mainstream marketing and promote, you know, who we are and what we do. And, and I think that's been certainly for us, one of the most exciting pieces, um, we are in the life safety business and it really doesn't get any better than that. So it's exciting times for us. We're looking forward to that. Um, we have the ability to create customized brochures for our members uh, from fire sprinkler incentives to just the general marketing and promotion of the fire sprinklers by life uh, website. So um, it, I like to say whenever I have an opportunity and I'm, able to communicate to our members, you know, if, if you can dream up the need, share it with us. We'll work hard to figure out how to help you and, and, and customize the information for you. So yeah. Looking to it. <clears throat> yeah. Part of that, part of that media rollout, I'm assuming you guys are going to be doing a big push on social media. Um, yes. I recently had a, at a, at a podcast with Drew Slocum over at the fire, uh, fire protection podcast, kind of my, uh, not competition. Uh, Drew's an awesome guy, but uh, the, the the other fire protection podcast that's out there, not the other. He's he's his, he's got a good product. Um, the other fire protection podcast out there, Drew Slocum's fire protection podcast. Um, we did an episode about using social media in the fire protection industry, and uh, we talked about how. Um, <clears throat> whenever you have a sprinkler save, you guys are excellent with sharing the sprinkler saves all over North America. Viking has that website. Uh, I think it's sprinklersaves.com where you can go and they update it almost daily with sprinkler saves just to kind of let everybody know that they do happen out there every day. Um, Absolutely. And, and a lot of the times, like a lot of the times they're not noted. <clears throat> they're not big disasters. They're not big damage, no fatalities, things like that. So it doesn't make headline news. It's not exciting. It's not going to, uh, you know, it's not going to draw attention. Oh, there was a fire and it grew for about five minutes and then the sprinkler contained it and put it out and five, $6,000 in damage is not headline news. So with social media, I think we as maybe not influencers, but uh, influencers, but um, you know, people in the spotlight need to make sure that we're getting these sprinkler saves out there and letting everybody know the general public know that sprinkler saves happen. They work, they're effective. 
We just need the education out there. Hey, Chris, one thing that uh, for your listeners that would be super helpful to us in sharing those is if they all followed us uh, on Twitter at NFSA org, where we tweet that, you know, there's a nonstop feed of sprinkler saves uh, that a lot of times our fire service friends will tell us about that don't ever make the news. Uh, and so if your listeners could help us by sharing some of those posts, um, especially with their followers that are outside of the industry to help us spread that message beyond the fire sprinkler industry it would be a huge help. And, and always include hashtag fastest water. Hashtag fastest water. Throw fire sprinkler podcast in there too. <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm seeing a lot of the fastest water hashtags out there. It's, it's excellent. And, and that hashtag is available on, uh, I think you guys are mostly on Twitter, correct? Well, we're on Twitter, we're on Facebook, and we're on LinkedIn, LinkedIn and Instagram. Instagram. So okay. Oh, I didn't know you guys were on on, on all of those uh, on all the social media. Now, well, I'm gonna have to get work to do now. Uh, <laughs> get you guys in and tag in all my posts. Our team certainly does a good job of getting that message out, and we're working today. So tomorrow morning, uh, which is what we would encourage, is for everybody to join as members because if all our members get spotlight on Sprinkler. Uh, which goes out every Friday to talk about what's going on in the industry and particularly to focus on sprinkler saves. So for example, over the 4th of July holiday, we know that we had three sprinkler saves reported to us from Minnesota alone and the state fire marshal there uh, has a collection point for sprinkler saves. So not only is, uh, you know, are we collecting it, we're getting with the state fire marshal start collecting that data as soon as it happens. And we love our contractor members to report that. And so you'll see that go out in our spotlight on sprinklers when our, our contractor members do. And our contractor members now over the last decade as well have a much bigger presence in social media as well that are, they're sharing their own sprinkler saves. So that's always exciting. And again, our focus on that and one of our pushes from our board of directors is data to get the data on the successes that we have. So it's easy to focus on the ones that uh, aren't successful in the places where people perish in fires, but we need to take credit for the occupancies that we save every day. So we know that happens every day across the variety of occupancies in this country. And so we need to promote that and we need the data to support. How many Absolutely. saves do we have a day? Yeah, I mean, uh, in, in, I think most of them are, are coming from the U.S. right now, but there are sprinkler saves in Canada. Like, uh, I mean, we're a small family business. Uh, we got maybe 14, 15 guys running around right now. And uh, we've had, I think we've had maybe six or seven in the past three or four years. It's, uh, wow. it's excellent. Yep, and we have some of our contractor members that are rewarding their people. So as I go around and talk to and having my background being in the fire service, being on the fire department, I tell a lot of our member companies that says, how many people in here have been in the industry over 10 years? And when they raise their hand, I say, I rode a fire engine for 26 years, and you've probably already saved more lives than I did. Without knowing it, yeah. Well, I yeah, wouldn't say that, you know. but uh, <laughs> it's probably uh, uh, the potentials there, right? Absolutely. Yeah. Um, awesome. This has been an awesome conversation. I want to thank you guys for coming on. Is there anything else you want to uh, you want to plug? You want to let people know about before we uh, before we end this uh, end this recording? Chris, this is Gary West, and I just want to say that 
a lot of our success is being able to work out in the field. And uh, we have about 20 full-time, part-time contractors that work in every state that are really what we call the boots on the ground. And that's how we gather information. That's how we put out information. And, uh, and that program really works well. Collecting uh, data is big for us, as well as making new partners and uh, supporting our membership out there. So um, that part of our program is, uh, is how we get things done. So just wanted to mention that. Okay, awesome. Um, so all the, all the kind of full and part-time support that you guys get out there. What, yep. um, so, okay, I, uh, there was about maybe eight people on this call. I'm not going to get everybody's name, so I'm just going to thank, I'm going to thank everybody in general for coming on. Uh, I appreciate supporting the Fire Sprinkler Podcast, everything NFSA does for the industry, as well as everything you guys have done, uh, to support me and, uh, and promote me. I, I appreciate it and thank you guys for everything. We appreciate the partnership, Chris. Keep getting the good word out there and uh, we'll keep promoting the industry. Anything else we can do to help you, we'd be glad to. Awesome. Thanks a lot, guys. I appreciate it. Hey, everybody. Thanks for tuning in to this episode of the Fire Sprinkler Podcast. Uh, great conversation I had with the folks from NFSA. Uh, if you're interested in joining NFSA, uh, look them up, www.nfsa.org. All great people. They do a lot of good events. They do a lot of good stuff for the fire sprinkler industry. And um, look forward to building a good, good work and relationship with them in the future. Uh, hopefully, we can work together on uh, many different projects over the next couple of years. Um, one more time, thank you to my sponsors, Chromalox, for this episode of the Fire Sprinkler Podcast. Um, Again, they did a lot for me getting to NFPA, helping me out uh, with all of the expenses and things like that. Very, very great thing. Thank you. Uh, another thing I don't think I spoke on earlier, um, but um, merger between Victolic and Globe Sprinkler. Not so much a merger as an acquisition. Victolic purchased Globe Sprinkler. Uh, it's big for the industry. <clears throat> Going to be having the people from Victolic on probably in August to talk about what this means for their their company and the organization itself. So tune in um, if you want uh, to help me push to get them on sooner, uh, feel free to reach out to them on social media, email, um, uh, Facebook. I think they have everything on social media. Victolic has a Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook page, I think. Anyways, um, again, thanks everybody for listening. Leave a review on iTunes, and I hope you enjoyed this episode of the Fire Sprinkler Podcast. Podcast.